Do you enjoy the content that we provide at Hockey Hurts? Do you do any holiday shopping on Amazon.com? Then click on the Amazon banners on our Hockey Hurts website before making any of your Amazon purchases. We get a kickback, you get to buy something that you like, and it doesn't cost you anything extra. It's like the Patrick Hornquist, James Neal trade. It's a win-win. Don't forget to check out our website, HockeyHurts.com, and check us out on Twitter, at Hockey underscore Hurts. Additionally, you can follow Cameron Walsh, at Walshy66, and Ryan Wilson, at Gunner Stahl. to the Hockey Hurts Podcast for January 11th of 2015. I'm Ryan Wilson. I'm Cameron Walsh. Uh, Happy New Year. Um, Happy New Year. Been a few, about a week and a half since we've done a podcast, so we have, we have some news that we'll have to touch on as well as some more current. Um, David Perron trade is something that we're going to cover off today. Uh, the All-Star Game. Um, well, the know, rosters. Rosters, what it means to us. Well. Yada, yada. Um, and the Sergei Bobrovsky contract will be kind of the three main topics we cover. Um, so we'll start right with David Perron, Pittsburgh Penguins trade their 2015 first-round pick for David Perron. Um, hey, you forgot to think hammer. I did. Oh, and before we go any further, do you want to pat yourself on the back? No. <laughs> I, won't, I, I, I didn't call that trade, but I did write about the potential of Perron, why he would fit with Pittsburgh. Obviously, what I wrote in the past hasn't changed. I, I think he's a great fit. Um, I didn't, I, if, if you wanted to say that I kind of hinted towards the David Perron thing, that's fine, but but I was thinking that it was going to involve Brandon Sutter, not not a first the, the first-round pick. So you, you go over that point. Um, before we started this, you said it, it's sort of a win-win for, for both sides in that trade. Do you think that the first-round pick was too much, considering they gave up a roster player? I don't care the fact that it was a third slash fourth line player. Should they have given up a second round rather than a first? No. Um, I'm good. I'm good with the deal. I think the deal works well both ways. Edmonton get what they need um, in regards to someone to, to fill a roster slot. Clinkhammer will, will, will be fine there. Um, and a first round pick, even though it, hopefully for the Penguins it ends up being, you know, anywhere from, you know, 26 to, to 30. 28 to 30. It would be ideal for them. I yes, I know, but you get to the playoffs and it's a coin toss. Correct. Um, is the first round pick too much? No, I think and, so. And I, I I think it's absolutely appropriate for for both teams. 
Pittsburgh Penguins, what what does that first pick mean to them if they're picking, let's say, in, in your range of 26 to 30? What does that mean for them? Not right now. Waiting three for five, three to five years. Uh, Crosby and Malkin are, as I wrote today for Hockey Buzz, past their goal scoring pinnacle already. Which is funny because they scored both the goals in today's game. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, they're they're going to be great players for a while. Yeah, I know. It's just the volume of goals they're going to score moving forward. I'm surprised um, that average is so low in regards to average years. Like, I was surprised it's so young. I'm not. I'm not at all because I'm kind of living through it. Like, obviously, I didn't play at an NHL level, but it's, I'm 32 now, and you, you just don't feel as good as you did a decade no, I earlier. Appreciate, I appreciate that, but for these elite athletes, I get there and I think about you get experience, you become more wily, I suppose, and, and you understand the nuances of the game a little bit better. I'd have thought that physical prime extends a little bit longer. The extra mental experience in regards to how to score goals would improve. I'd have just have thought that average age would have pushed more towards 28 than 25. Like that was a bit that I found uh, amazing with it. I, it was substantially younger than I thought. I think the reason for this is hockey's unique um, in the fact that it's fueled by the anaerobic energy oh, system. Yeah, your lactate. Yeah, it, it is such a high capacity of energy that goes into the. I mean, the shifts are forty-five seconds for a reason. Basketball, soccer, that kind of stuff's aerobic. You you can obviously there's anaerobic moments, short fits of moments where you're using your fast twitch muscles, but it's not the overall course of the game. Like, like when you're on the ice in hockey, it's all fast twitch. It's all, it's all anaerobic. Yeah. You've got, there's not, there's, if you're coasting and you're not using your anaerobic, you usually get found out. Well, you can coast and pick your spots, but overall, if you're trying to score 60 or 70 goals, like, we're talking about the all-time greats um, that all had their best years below the age of 25. Mm. It's because they were extremely talented, but just animals with the, the engine that doesn't quit. And as you get older, the engine doesn't allow you to, to quite push as hard, whether you're, you know, putting in the time or not. Yeah. I get what you mean now. So, I just noticed Calgary beat Vancouver. Nice win. It is a nice win. Not sure it'll matter, but... No, I know. I know. It's just one of those things where, like we said a couple of podcasts ago, I thought they'd, they'd tail right off. So, Perron, is he going to help Sid? Yeah, definitely. He idolized Alexei Kovalev. So did you. Well, he was one of my favorites. I, I would I would say Mario would be uh oh, yeah. Sorry. the pinnacle. Yeah. Well it's as far as my perceptions concerned. But Alexei Kovalev, if you're gonna model yourself after a player, you'll you'll pique my attention if if that's the <laughs> player and you can back it up. 
even a little bit. And Perron doesn't quite have the exact same hands as Kovalev because I'm not sure many ever have. And and maybe even Mario, he's even said that himself. Yeah, that's true. Yes, too. But he comes pretty darn close. And it there's there's a lot of potential there. When you have that the kind of hands Perron has, you can make those nifty plays in small space. And if Sid's firing through a small area and somebody can lay the puck in where he can skate it skate into it, I mean, there's a lot of potential there. He hasn't had too many line mates. The, the last one I can think of is Hosa. Yeah, that's that can make about. those just cute little, highly skilled, simplistic plays, if you get what I'm saying. Yes. Where, where they just view the ice so well to where they just little baby sauce into space and Sid's <laughs> flying through. It's it's funny um, watching Perron's first game, then his second and his third. Um he played purely on instinct in the first game, scored a goal, looked quite good. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Then the game against Boston and the game against Montreal, he was thinking so much because he's trying to learn a lot of stuff on the fly. Him coming in now before the All-Star break would be great. Just out of curiosity, do the teams take time off through the All-Star break or do they keep... No, they're off. They're off. They're off. I was going to say because... If Perron's serious about fitting in, he should hang around in Pittsburgh and just sit down with the coaching staff and just go over stuff and try to understand what's going on because he, you can tell he's overthinking at the moment because he's just trying to learn. You, you fully understand it. Give him two weeks and he won't have to try to learn on the fly. When he went out in overtime with, with Crosby, I think it was the second shift they had out there when he dangled his way through a few, I, I have a feeling he was just told to go out and play and he did. And you can suddenly see why you're so excited about what what he can provide. It looked fantastic. Yeah. um, I'm not overly concerned with him learning the X's and O's because I think Mike Johnston has simplified them. Oh, he'll know by the time it matters. I think it's just you. Let's put it this way. Even when he was with St. Louis, he's never played with a Sidney Crosby or Evgeny Malkin. No, that's right. I mean, that's really unique. Hey, and you and you can tell that was a problem because there was one part in today's game against Montreal where I can't remember whether it was Gino or Crosby that flicked the puck out to him, and he was so not ready for it to the point where he tried to kick it off his skate to put it on his stick. And it flew out of the zone. And it was like, mm-hmm. you had no idea that pass was coming, did you? Stick on the ice. Be ready. And it was just it was just funny watching. I don't fault them, though. I mean, no, who, but who, who in his career does those little tiny that's, things? That's, that's exactly the point. It's one of those things where you sit there and go, he's not played with two it'll, players. That it'll take two weeks and he'll be fine because he's that yeah. skilled. Yeah. He's just got to retrain his his mind to expect the unexpected and, and that's all it'll take. What was that wonderful quote that Erhoff used? 
<laughs> I, I I don't know the exact quote. I'd, I'd just be paraphrasing, but he forgot how to play with good players. Perron's got to get used to that again because he left as a third-line player from that Edmonton mm-hmm. team. So, yeah, it'll be a little bit of a transition for him, but like, like you and I think, you know, 10 to 12 more days and he'll be slotted in and, and he'll feel comfortable. And He's already great on the power play, if 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 I can get into why that is. Go for it. The Penguins for years have not had a trigger man on that left side as a forward. They had they traded for a Ginlow, but they they for some odd reason did not choose to use him in that regard, or use him <laughs> at all for for that matter. That was that was strange from the get go. But now now Perron, they have a guy that's willing to shoot, and also a guy that is a smooth, slick playmaker to keep plays alive on that side. Now that they have two trigger men on the tops of the circles, if you put Evgeny Malkin on the right circle and have a defenseman up at the top, like Latang is, teams yeah. can't shade like they've shaded for the last five years towards that right side of the rink where Crosby and Malkin have hit out. And mind you, they're so good that they've had success at that. Yeah. But now that Perron has played on the other side and they've shown off that he's willing to shoot, we see so many more east-west passing lanes opened up in the Penguins' power play because the the penalty-killing unit's just a tad more spread out. And I know they haven't scored since Perron's been acquired, but um, the process is a lot better from what I see. I, let, I let me ask you a couple of, of there. let me ask you a couple of power play questions. They get Hornquist back. Uh-huh. Do they just take Kunitz off and put Hornquist where Kunitz is, and Kunitz goes to the second unit? I don't. Who's out there tonight? Was Kunitz one of them? I thought Kunitz was the net front presence. Sid, Gino, Latang, Perron. I thought Kunitz was okay. the one trying. Yeah, the reason I, I like Hornquist better myself. So the, the reason I ask is that you get there, and at the moment, the power play is statistically a mess. So the two units should be getting about a minute each if they don't score, right? In theory. You know what I mean when I say that. So Yeah, but I don't want that. No, no, I and I understand why I agree, but you get there and go, should Erhoff sit where Malkin is so that Martin can feed Erhoff and just have Erhoff let rip with that one timer? I think that's that's the second unit. Yes, that and that's that's what I mean. Uh, it, you just get there with it. And for a guy that has an absolute bomb of a shot, he is very reluctant to let it go. He was. He's doing a little better, but I don't think the team puts him in a spot to to let it rip as much as he could. I I agree. So putting him in that Geno position on that second unit would work for me. And then you've got Kunitz to be that net front presence. You've got Bennett that could work the half I'm wall. not so sure he shouldn't be the guy at the top on the first unit. Instead of Latang. Perhaps. I, okay. I will disagree with that because Latang has done such a great job of actually keeping the puck 
He's he's in, kept the puck in on some of those clears. Awesome. Yeah. He's but as far as facilitating and distributing, which I'm more concerned with, I I don't think he's done a bad job. I just think that maybe give it to number seven. Don't give it to number ten. No, ten's got the bomb and he's just as good as seven. All right, okay. <laughs> no, I I think they're carbon copies except one shoots harder. I actually think um, if we're going to try and look at the carbon copy aspect of it, I actually think Martin's a better skater than Erhold, and I didn't think I'd say that about Martin against sort of anyone except for Scuderi. Better stride. I'm not sure he's faster. Okay. I just, The last few games I've got there, and I've gone, geez, Erhold has to rely on his brain because he's not quick. No, but he doesn't have to be. Chris Pryor no, wasn't just... either. I'm sure Nick Lidstrom wasn't Goncho breaking wasn't the sound Yeah, Goncho is a great example too. Mm. But Perron, it, it looks like it, it looks like it, it will work. The question is, what are they going to do with the other wing when the roster fills out? You know my opinion. I'd really like to see Kunitz and Hornquist with Malkin, but Bo Bennett is making an extremely good argument to stay on Malkin's line. Here's how I would do it. I would keep Perron with Sid. Yep. I'd put Hornquist <laughs> on that line as well. I'd give Kunitz to Malkin with with Bennett. And then and you know, and mind you, that's sure. under the assumption that they're not going to move on another guy. We'll say they do. So so. You get that well, asterisk. It depends of, on who that person is. Yeah. Well, I know who you want. I agree with that assessment, but that would be doing a Shiro going all in 2013. No, it wouldn't. Because because yeah. the Peron trade's not a short-term trade. No, 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 no. But, but going for that, I think I've said this to you. Like a younger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's um, what we're getting at here. But yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah, I watched 2015. Um, what what I mean is that um, I actually think this roster, when it gets healthy, and it will get healthy, you get Hornquist and Como back. You get that trickle down effect through the roster wherever they plug Como, whether they do put him back with with Gino and whatever they do with Kunitz. It's interesting to see that he's been up and up and down the lineup since he came back from his his broken foot. It, it'll be interesting to see how they do the trickle-down um, effect because I actually think this roster is good enough. You had those two players in, technically Sill and Adams come out of the lineup. Everyone else just trickles down. And all of a sudden, you've actually got four lines that are fast. Yeah, it's okay. But yeah, I, I, I would still I know, investigate... Yeah, I, I I didn't say don't look. I just wouldn't Making force that trickle down impact even more. Further. Yeah, I agree, but I wouldn't I wouldn't try to force it, um, I'd, and create a trade for the sake. I'd be aggressive for for what I want. <laughs> I know, we know. It's just one of those things where I actually think this roster works really really well, and I think that if they come to some sort of realization that 
there's a particular player on the back end that if they just took him out of the roster, automatically that back end becomes better again. And they might, they should, really, out of the six that played tonight against Montreal, if they just replaced four with three, automatically that whole group becomes a lot better. That's even keeping Bortuzzo in the lineup. I don't think Mata's going to play. I, well, to be honest, I, I hope that they don't because... I know he got a second opinion that said don't go and have surgery on it, but um, the way they've gone about that, I'd just like him not to play for the rest of the year. I mean, the guy's 20. He's hopefully got about 15 years left in him. I already dealt yeah. with cancer and mumps this year. Yeah, I know. It's not like he's... Um... It's really funny. Just before he sat out from the cancer, I reckon he hurt his shoulder just before he sat out because... It didn't quite look right. Then he came back, and then obviously they put him on the shelf for his shoulder. And you could tell when he came back from the the cancer surgery that he was off. He wasn't right physically. He wasn't right. And I've said it before. I don't. I don't think they treated the shoulder surgery right. I was very surprised he came back for game one, um, and he proved that. His shoulder felt great at the time because his first seven or eight games were, were fantastic. But shoulders are shoulders are a messy joint. You, you've really got to put the work in, and, and you've really got to make sure that they're they're solid. To you know, a lot of people struggle to come back from an ACL operation fully. Stamkos is just finally starting to get back to the Stephen Stamkos that we know now, which is around about twelve months. Shoulders are. Oh, I think shoulders in regards to getting back to your normal level, you're pushing six to eight months. And really, from surgery to back on the ice, it's only three. But to get back to where you need to be, it's six months. And I think when you've got a guy that's 20 years old, you're on the side of caution. Don't play him. Yeah. We don't have the inside scoop on that, but it it doesn't sound promising from from what Mike Johnston said today. But at least he's at least he's taking the conservative route in the public arena, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like he's not he's not putting any pressure publicly on Marta to come back. He's not putting any expectations that yeah, Marta's going to come. Smart. It, yeah, it is. It, it, it's good management in, in that regards. Whatever they're saying behind closed doors is whatever they're saying behind closed doors, but at least um, out in public they're giving the perception that Marta my struggle to come. It's like the Dupuy thing. You know, there's a few of us that are sort of hoping that Dupuy can come back for the conference finals and the finals. To be honest, I don't really want him to come back at all this year. You know, the, the team's hurting without him. You, you think about the trickle-down effect with his roster with him in it, it suddenly becomes an awful lot deeper. But you can't force a situation like that. You get to that time of year, it's just too tough. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Agreed. <laughs> They've had... God, that team's had some interesting injuries. So is Columbus, though. And moving from injuries between those two teams to the All-Star game, that is one of the most contrived um, crossovers I've ever seen. All-Star game. <laughs> yeah, from the jerseys to... I suppose we'll cover the, the jerseys and the quote-unquote snubs and and what I feel about that and you feel about that. The jerseys look like it's uh, kind of a laser tag thing. 
That or we're going to go ride motorbikes. Yeah, they just... They... Yeah, I know. I mean, You're... I don't care. I'm not... I never would buy an Ulster jersey, period. No, but that's not the argument. They just look terrible. <laughs> <laughs> they do, but you know what I mean? Like, whatever. Yep. Now, the, uh, a lot of people from a lot of teams slash a lot of markets have complained about the selections of the extras that didn't get voted in. It's it's interesting because the theory is every team's got to have a player. Yeah, I'd, I've never been a fan of that, but that's what they do, so so be it. And that, that's the reality because you sit there and you, you kind of get there and go, you know, they need to have someone from Carolina, so they've gone with Justin Falk. Should Justin Falk be there ahead of Chris Letang, Eric Carlson? I mean, that's the that's the bit that I find, you know, well, difficult. Well, I, I, I'm not sure you, we can say there are snubs if you're under a system where every team has to has have to a have player. Yeah, and that's... And, if, and there, that's, if that rule wasn't in place, and you could take as many players from any team, exclude any amount of teams, and just pick the best players, you know, then we could have an, apt, an actual snub argument. But and the way they do it now, it's, you know, whatever. Yeah. And I, I, I appreciate the the problem the NHL have got in regards to feeling that they have to do it that way. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I get it. I, I fully understand it. But you, you, if you're a fan of any team that's sitting there complaining about a player missing, get there and vote. Get there and waste your time and sit on the website and just vote over and over and over and over and over again and, and do that. But when you can only affect the top, or the you know the starting lineup when you get an entire country <laughs> backing one player, it, it makes it tough to compete. That is brilliant, though. I think that's so funny. Zamgus Jurgensen. I'm glad you said that. <laughs> no, that is funny. I mean, I'm not anti All Star Game. I, I I enjoy watching the skills stuff. Um, yeah, it's good fun. Uh, you know, if I happen to be just sitting around, I'll I'll have the All Star Game on whether I'm watching it or in the background. You know, whatever it is, what it is, I'm not looking for it to be more than what it is. It's pond hockey inside a freaking arena, really. Unmotivated pond hockey, but yeah. It's a pond hockey. Of please do not get hurt. Please do not get hurt. Please do not get hurt. But if you know that going in, it's like, yeah, whatever. And, you know, if you're mad that one of the guys from your team didn't make the All-Star game, look at it this way. They're probably very content having a, a, a few days off. I'm not sure they care all that much. No, I I, I agree. It's, it's, um, it's one <laughs> yeah, of those things you know? where some of those guys that uh, – one of a one way to look at it, you know, they got snubbed for the the roster because they're elite level players that you know the team's going to need down the stretch. Give them the five days off or whatever it is that they that they get over the weekend and let it go. 
you know, it's great that the players get to go and every player will, will go if they're not injured, unlike poor old Jimmy Howard after today. And you sit there and go, the, the elite players that aren't having to be there, it's brilliant for them. You know, they get some time off, so it's, you know, a mental rest, a physical rest, a chance to, you know, this time of the year, almost everyone's got a little bit of a ding, mm-hmm. chance mm-hmm. to try and buffle that stuff out and, and go forward fresh. It's brilliant. You know, Corey Perry's probably happy as Larry he didn't get picked. Yeah, right. You know, he should be there when you think about who Corey Perry is. But I know he's been injured this year, but having the time off gives him a chance to get some of his leg strength back and, and, and those sorts of things. Like, this is the thing. Time off isn't about, you know, packing up and going away from the rink and doing nothing. It's it's about getting in there. And you know, one of the things that's that's really hard to maintain through a 82-game season is players' strength and players' weight. So any chance they've got to go in and, and do leg work and strength work and lift and, and keep their strength, they won't add strength at this time of the year, but any chance they've got to maintain what they started with is vitally important, particularly for a guy like Perry that's come off a lower body injury. Um, this time off will be brilliant for the Ducks. Yeah. If you guy didn't make it, like I said, it ain't a bad thing. Um, one one thing I did notice, which probably going to shock a lot of people, it shocked me when I read it, this will be the first All-Star game since 2007 that Sidney Crosby's been in. So, hang on. 2007 was the last one he was in. Yeah. Wow. Now, That's amazing. He's had his injuries and then the two Olympics. Oh, of course. Yes. So, remarkable, That's though. That's amazing stat. That's incredible. Yeah, like isn't it? About, he's technically the face of the league, and he's hasn't been a one for technically that's eight years. Yeah, pretty nuts. That's amazing. And it shows you how unlucky the league's been, considering, you know, he basically missed 18 months with the, the neck injury that he, he had and um, those sorts of things. I mean, he's... The, the league sort of hitched their marketing wagon on top of him, so it's um, it's a tough blow for the league in a sense. Yeah, I mean, if you you're gonna promote the All Star Game, not having Sid there it hurts, at least in the states. But, and that's the problem. Uh, it's the problem they've got when they hitch all of their marketing stuff. So only a handful of guys. They need to do a much better job of spreading it out and making sure that all the players around the league are known nationally. You know, they've got, you know, technically a, well, they've got all-stars in all 30 teams, apparently. Um, they need to make sure that everybody around the country knows who each of these players are. You know, Tyler Johnson has been fantastic this year, whether he's an all-star or not, it's debatable. But you sit there with it and you go, he deserves to get national notoriety because he's been unreal this year. He's been fantastic. You know, I still don't think I'd have Radom Verbata in ahead of the head of uh, the Sedines 
at least one of them anyway. So they come as a package. Package. I yeah, I understand that dynamic of it. But it's just you know, there's not a forward from the San Jose Sharks that are in there. Well, unless you count Brent Burns as a forward, but he's gone in as a defenseman, so same with Dustin Bufflin. Yeah, but whatever. <laughs> no, that, and that's it's a really good point. That whatever attitude is about right. It's the All Star game. You know, it's great to have on your resume if you're trying to go for a contract extension, or you're in UFA. But in reality, it doesn't really mean a lot, does it? The same people that complain about the All Star game are the same people that complain about who's not there. Yeah, that's true. It's so, just, it's, it's like I said earlier, though. If you're going to complain about particular players not being vote them in. But if I'm correct, the All Star Games in Columbus. Correct. The people that go have an awesome time. Columbus is an arena. I've driven by it a few times, but I've never been there for a game. It's in a great spot with great surroundings and it'll, it'll be a, a pretty fun time for anybody that's, that's awesome well, that's all right then. as long as the, as long as the is, is it over three days or just two days hmm. either, either way the thing that's great is that those that do get to go that includes fans players officials all that sort of stuff hopefully they do have an absolute blast yeah it, it, you'd be hard pressed not to they have a lot of um infrastructure urban development around that arena that's really cool fantastic i I think as far as all-star games are concerned you hear the city of columbus and you're like eh, whatever but no i think it'll be pretty pretty fun for for everybody involved that goes awesome Hey, you know, just having a look, I just saw Anze Kopitar's face up. And also, the, the reason I bring this up is I've read around the traps that Mike Richards, they really, really want to try and move him in that contract. They tried moving him at the draft last year. Is he just going to end up as a player that needs to be sat no matter what his contract situation is, just sitting because the team's better without him on the ice? I don't know if we're at that point, but at the same time, pretty ludicrous they didn't buy him out with the compliance buyout. Couldn't they foresee what was going to happen? Well, a lot like of how short-sighted stuff. could you be? Yeah, it's just it's it's funny with a guy like Mike Richards because talk about falling off a cliff in regards to production, possession wise, like you know on ice statistical production. You just get there with it, and it's like, what happened? Like I hated Mike Richards as a flyer because he was good. It was great that he moved to the West, but I wasn't expecting a, a drop off like this. You knew he was going to have a fall away because of the way he plays. Just physically, it was going to catch up with him. But I wasn't expecting a jump off a cliff sort of a drop off. I was expecting a, a slower decline than, than what we've seen so far. So it's tough on LA. They're, they're in a bit of a tight spot with, with some of the decisions they're going to have to make. 
Well, he'll be playing, though. Because Tanner Pearson just broke an ankle or Monarch. his leg. Mono, mono, mono. No, that's uh, Toffoli. Oh, Toffoli. So, oh, I'm sorry. What, hang on, what did Pearson do? Um, Broken ankle. Good grief. Broken lower leg, they're saying. So, Tanner Pearson and Tyler Toffoli are out. That may pour some cold water on that old uh, Paul Martin, Justin Williams thing. They might want to just hang on to him for the year and do the whole him uh, and Martin. If I'm them, I would, for, for sure. Yeah. Well, you, although admittedly the cap space that Williams chews up is not as much as I thought it would be, but it no, does just free the cap space up later on. The concern in L.A. is the cap space moving forward. He's up for an extension at the end of the year. Correct. And that's what it comes down to. Do they want to ante up for, for that ex, for that extension or not? Correct. Which will at least be five mil or more, if, you know. Yeah. That would make and, sense. And it's, it's one of those things with some of these, these West Coast teams. Chicago's got the difficulties next year because of obviously the Kane and, the Kane and Taves extensions. You know, LA eventually had to start losing players because of the cap. That's what the cap's there for, is to shift talent to other teams. It sucks, but it's the reality of it. Yeah, it's it's nice it's that nice. The, a few small section of teams can't just buy up all the players like in baseball. Yeah, it's good. It's 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 fun. It, look, at some point, you know, Pittsburgh are going to end up. On, on the other end of all of this, you know, when guys like Crosby and Malkin have to walk away, the question is how well the Penguins manage their their drafting and their roster management to see whether they bottom out or to see whether they can do a Detroit. You know, Detroit's the only team that's sort of Detroited up, if you know what I mean. Over the last 20 years, they've been immaculate at recycling through a generation of hockey players and still staying in the playoffs and still being competitive. I mean, it's helped that they've had, you know, I think one of the top five defensemen of all time on their team when they were doing that regeneration, but they're doing it now, again. So that's what it comes down to. I mean, people pick on Edmonton for their inability to to move forward from being a cellar dweller. Well, look at management. Don't look at the players. The players are they're giving as much as they've got. They've just got the wrong the wrong selection of players. As you've said to me, uh, Ryan, they need to get rid of the whole idea of the players from the golden era of Edmonton hockey, uh, players that should be uh, players that should be um, managing that club. I just don't think it translates. No, I think the results speak for themselves. Hmm. You know, I mean, that's almost like saying that Gretzky and Lemieux should be managing teams. I mean, at least Lemieux hasn't dumped himself in that situation. He's done all right. Yeah, but he's not He's not running the club. No. He hires people. Yeah. 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 Work within your skill sets. I think we should drag the conversation back to Columbus, though. Bob Rossi? Yeah, the bit... Uh, 
That's a big signing for Columbus. Four years, a shade over seven mil per year. Um, I have no problem with it. Pabrowski's numbers have been, the last few years, are that of a top five goalie in the league. He won the Vesna. And the term, the term's the most important part. Four years. Oh, I agree. It brings him right up until he's around 30. It's not like yep. he's a 30-year-old goalie that they signed for four more. They're stealing his prime years. No, I know. It's 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 fantastic. It's not stealing because it's, you know, a legit cap hit. But... Yeah, it's, it's not cheap, but you get there and you go, they traded they traded term for hit. And that's that's the important thing. It's not like they maxed out on term and maxed out on hit. So they went, we'll, we'll, we'll pay him a lot, but we're only going to pay him for four years at, at that rate. Whatever happens after that, I have a feeling Columbus may be sitting there thinking we'll let him walk at the end of that, that deal because... Yeah, they got four it, years to find figure out the next plan. Correct. And, and it, I think it's really smart management. I, I looked at that deal and went, whoa, that's a big hit. When I read it, and then I've gone, well, that's only four years. That's real clever. Because they're not, they're not pushing the cap ceiling at the moment. No, and, and he's played really well. He has. He's played really, really well. His overall sample size speaks to him being a good goalie. So, yes, it's understood that that's the second highest hit after Lundqvist. But... But his output's been second highest to Lundqvist when you think about it. Close, at least close to. Yeah, I mean Pekka Rinne would probably be right up there if he hadn't been injured as much as he has. So Rinne's, you know, cap hits around about the same issues, isn't it? With Bobrovsky's. Yeah, that's. I think Rinne obviously is a touch less, but yeah. Yeah. So it works. I. I, I can see why people are upset in regards to the um, the cap hit. If you look at it and you go, like you said, he's second to Lundqvist. I can understand because people can get there and go, well, what's he done? But you reel off some of his credentials. I mean, he has won a, a Vesna and he carries that team. That 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 Columbus team has still got some holes in, in the roster in front of him, and and they only go as far as he goes. I mean. I watched the Columbus um, Toronto game uh, yesterday. I was I was curious to see how Toronto was going to play under the new coach and lots of stuff after the first game debacle. And Bobrovsky gave up four goals real early on. He didn't play badly. He had a couple go in off off skates and and, and those sorts of things. And you sit there and go, if Columbus we're ever going to climb back into the playoff race in the East, um, they have to fix up their back end. It doesn't help that Murray's out. No, not at all. It but that's, doesn't that's, help that's, that Jack Johnson's in. I didn't want to bring that up. Wow. <laughs> I know it goes hand in hand. You can't sort of say they need to fix up their back end and not mention Jack Johnson. I, I, I appreciate that aspect of it, but... Or at least shelter the crap out of them. Which is unfortunate considering how much they're paying him. But if you want to get there and look at wasted cap hit, look elsewhere on the roster. You don't have to look in there. That's, I think that's value for every dollar they're spending on Bobrovsky there. 
Yeah, I'm not a I'm not a big I'm guy on spending guys. the the big money on the goalies, but for four years, given what Bobrovsky's done, I'm fine with that deal. I, I don't think it's all that bad at all. This 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 once again comes down to that argument though of are you paying for future performance or are you paying for the performance that you've been given? I think you're talking about his late twenties. And I think maybe he maybe he doesn't hit the Vesna level again. But I think there's little risk that he's gonna fall below the league average moving forward. But if you get there and you go, um, he falls towards the league average, is that cap hit too much for league average next year? Well, of course, you're paying above league average for the position. So anytime you get below, that's not good. But part of locking him up is almost guaranteeing yourself league average or better. So that's part of the premium you're paying. I also think that if that roster is healthy, you've locked him up for four years, I think you're guaranteeing yourself 35 wins. That's 70 points. Yeah. And and I think that's lost sometimes in amongst all of this is that you you guarantee yourself 30 wins, 35 wins, it's 60 to 70 points. You're really only 25, 30 points out of a playoff spot. Particularly in the East, which is a little bit weaker. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm happy for I'm happy for Columbus to to make that signing. You do have to feel a little bit for Ryan Johansson. I, I don't know whether the negotiations for Bob Rofsky were easy, but they certainly weren't as public as they were for Johansson because of the, the holdout at the start of the year, but Johansson must be sitting there thinking, what the hell's going on? I was told going through the contract negotiations that money was tight and they've gone and splashed out a truckload of money for the goalie, even though it is only over four years. I mean, Johansson is going to ask for the bank when it comes to his next extension because he's been good this year. He's been really, really good. Wow. His extension, let's see here. It's almost going to be like the PK Super. Should they have paid a little bit more and a little bit longer now to save money later? And that's He'll, the. He's that's, still an RFA in 2017 18. So he's, that's how okay. good he is. He's still going to be an RFA. And he's well, this great this, already, and he's only going to make four mil for the next three years. I thought he had six mil at the, on his last year of his deal. Cap hit. Four mil okay. each year. Yeah. And he'll it's, expire the year before Bobrovsky. So Yamai Kikolainen's done a pretty good job with what he's had to deal with over there. Mm-hmm. Him and Davidson mm-hmm. have done a, a good job of structuring things up quite well. It'll be interesting to see the timing of all of these players and their primes, whether it comes together at the right time. That's That can be a, a challenge sometimes with all of this stuff is just having players hit their peak at the right time. I mean, you get there with 
you know, the Minnesota Wild, they're having, what is it, a top five possession year this year? They were. They've fallen off a bit, but yeah. Yep. In, in a general sense, you're right. Yep. So they're having a top five, top ten possession season this year, and they're out of a playoff spot in the West. And, and why is that? Because the, the people that are playing in net are basically wasting away a year that they should be doing better. And, you know, from all accounts, Parisi and Sutter are not having the greatest of seasons, and one of the reasons for that will be both have lost their, their one of their parents over the last 12, seven or eight months. So you get there and go, two of yeah, well, unfortunately... Zach's father passed away just recently, but you go, the two probably most important players on the skating roster, you know, Parisi and Suter are not having great years. They're still pushing possession significantly in the right direction, and the person in front of Ned is the one that's costing that Minnesota team a playoff spot at the moment. Do Minnesota change their coach, or do they try to find a solution in Ned? What's the, easy, what's the easier option to do? I know Mike Yo had a, a much publicized blowout well, in practice. Yeah. But he he's not the problem. They they're, they're driving possession, as you stated. Yeah. They are a bottom three goaltending team this year. And so, so they they bottom three. Yeah. The best laid plans can be ruined by goaltending. Well, as Penguins fans, we both know that. Actually, they are dead last. I, I, I've said this, I think, five or six points. What the hell happened to Nicholas Backstrom? Why you don't give older goaltenders term? I just... When when did it fall away? It just happens sometimes. I look, I had no problem at the time. I had no problems with the signing in regards. I thought smart move. He's been quality. I I see no reason for his play to drop off as it does. It would be. I'm sure someone out there is smart enough and can be bothered to sit there and look at five on five save percentage for all the goalies and see where it starts to decline and there'd be a cutoff point at whatever age it is. You'd, you'd see a, uh, an average cutoff. But I wasn't expecting it from from Bastrom. Maybe he was the beneficiary of Jacques Lemaire in regards to the, the type of shots he was facing. But I, I was not expecting this for, uh, for a goaltending result for, for Minnesota. I mean, I've read around the place and I asked you, earlier on, should Mike Yeo be on the hot seat? And and you're right, he shouldn't be. He shouldn't be the one taking the fall for this. Chuck Fletcher needs to work out what to do in net because it's perfectly obvious that they're pushing possession their way. They're just not getting the saves when they need them. Admittedly, guys like Bannock haven't performed goal-scoring-wise as much as uh, as they obviously would like, but I, I don't think he's the reason they're losing games. No. Goaltending's been bad. Team's been pretty good. How much time have they wasted not addressing that is the, is the big question. Yeah. 
how long, how much longer can they wait before they do something? Because you wait to the trade deadline. Um, usually there's, what, less than 20 games left when you hit the trade deadline? The ideal solution is to hook up with Buffalo and, and get Jonas Enroth. Because Enroth is screwing the Sabres over by playing so well. What about Neuvirth? I thought Neuvirth had a larger ceiling, a higher ceiling than, than Enroth, but... No, I don't, I don't. I don't know if I agree with that. Mm. Yeah, but same concept. Buffalo needs to stop getting great goaltending. <laughs> and there was a stretch this year where they did, and they were like ten and two. But the other stretches <laughs> where they didn't get out of this world goaltending, they've they've been horrendous. It's at least regressed back to the point where they're once again in the McCarkle stakes. You know Their what I mean? Their possession is not swayed at all this year. They've been in the 30s. They've been brutal. What's changed is they got even strength goaltending at like 9.38 for that 12-game stretch that they were winning. Everything since then has been average or below, and, and they lose all the time, as they should. That's the way they've been set up. Correct. I mean, it would just be Buffalo's luck as a sports city that they get screwed out of a generational talent because someone has a career year. Trade them away. <laughs> Take away the... Trade them. <laughs> get them the hell out of there. Actually, speaking of draft picks, did you watch any of the Royal Juniors? A little bit. Not much. I watched the last period of the gold medal game. And, um... You didn't see the else then? No, no, I I didn't. It was one of the reasons why I jumped on. I thought, I'll have a look at this. But I I asked this question because you did watch the entire game, didn't you? The the gold medal game? Yeah. Yeah, I did. Yeah. Was it just me or was McDavid not on the ice often in that third period? No. He he wasn't. I don't think no. they gave him enough ice. No. Okay. Good. So I wasn't I wasn't off my trolley. I watched that game and I went. I've barely seen him out here on the ice for a guy that could basically have iced the game. They didn't put him out there. I found it baffling. I know that you know a lot of people were big on on, on Max Max Domi for what he can bring and, and all those sorts of things, but McDavid, like I've watched you know, the highlights from the World Juniors and stuff. As far as I'm concerned, McDavid is living up to the hype with what he can bring, particularly because he's just come off a broken hand. He was nowhere near 100% for that tournament. Um, yeah, but say Benoit Giroux, right? Sorry, say that again? If I'm Benoit Giroux, the, the mm-hmm. coach for Canada, mm-hmm. I have Connor McDavid for seven or eight games, and I'll never coach him again. I'm playing Play. the crap out of that guy. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh, I can't blame you for saying that. Sam Reinhardt played well. That was the center ahead of him. He did look good. But... Is he an Islanders pick? Buffalo. Buffalo. Well, His brother... Griffin Reinhardt was a 
my bad. Well, tell you what, Buffalo may have a very strong spine very, very quickly. Yeah, they just got to finish in last. Yeah, and make sure they get one of the two centers that's supposed to go one or two. And that Buffalo likely, just... if they do, it's it's Eichel and Reinhardt. Yeah, and you, you yeah, and you get there with it, and it's like that Buffalo Sabres team can turn around very, very quickly. It will. Uh, I promise yeah. you that. Uh, Tim Murray it, it, has designed it to. He's intentionally holding things back right now. And that's the thing where I, I know, and I'm as guilty as this is anyone else, I know that I do trash out on that Edmonton Oilers um, management a fair bit in regards to the way they've gone about their drafting. And, yes, you have to draft well from rounds two to six, and I appreciate that to bring in some depth. But um, they just – I don't think they've, they've been lucky enough to have a generational talent come through when they've been terrible. Taylor Hall is, is good. Taylor Hall is a superstar, but he's not an Alexander Ovechkin. Nope. And and it's just it just sucks. It it, it comes down it, it comes down to timing. I mean, you look at at Ottawa and some of the number one draft picks that they've had choices to to choose from, and same with, with the Islanders. I mean, the Islanders are lucky. I think John Tavares, whilst he's not a generational talent, is literally just slightly under that. You watch him next year after he's got over this ACL. This year's going to be a struggle for him. You can tell that he's just not quite right. You get him past that, that injury, and he's going to be he's going to be back to the John Tavares that, you know, almost carried the almost carried the Islanders all on his own back to an MVP. So yep. Yep. it's it's one of those things where timing is everything and um, for those long suffering Buffalo's Bills and Buffalo Sabres fans, it would be nice for them to have a generational talent in the city to, you know, bring life and excitement back to the back to the Sabres. It would be great to see. Well, they need to just sign Marty Baran out of retirement and trade Enroth. Well, the other thing with Enroth, though, is trading to Buddy Minnesota. And get a second round pick back for him. Yeah, you know he's, you put him you put him behind that that roster there at Minnesota, and there's every chance that you know they it's start an upgrade. winning. Yeah, it, well, anything's an upgrade at the moment. You know, lots of you know you you look at something like Picard from you look at Picard from um, the Avalanche. He'd be an upgrade from what they're being, from what they're getting at the moment. I mean, and, um, the Avalanche shouldn't get, shouldn't trade the car. But I'm just giving an example. It's one of those things where you sit there and look at it, and it's like there's a lot of options out there that Chuck Fletcher probably needs to look at and and look at it soon. If he leaves it too late, they're not going to have enough time to make up the points to make that eighth, well, that second wild card spot. They're going to run out of time because that that Western Conference, there's a lot of teams fighting for those last two wild cards, and a couple of those teams are in third in their division at the moment. Yeah, they they are running out of time. They they can't sit on being thirtieth in the NHL in goaltending. They keep doing that. They're 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 just asking for trouble, and their possession's been going down. 
still a top 10 team, but they're not top five right now. But they are still the 30th in goaltending. Not good. Not good at no. all. Can you think of a reason why it's going backwards, their possession? I don't really watch them a ton, so mm-hmm. I couldn't. Yeah, no, that's right. That's why I asked. I wasn't sure whether you'd seen enough games. But when you're 30th in goaltending, I wouldn't shift your focus towards the coach. And that's that's the risk you run. I mean, it, it's it's kind of funny that Yo's doing a lot of things right, obviously, because he's got a lot of things trending in the right direction. Although, as you just said, their position numbers are starting to trend backwards. Um, it took forever for Toronto to get rid of a coach that has terrible possession numbers. I mean, that's something we haven't discussed is the fact oh, that Randy we're Kyle going down this finally, road. finally got given the arse. So, I mean, you get there with it and it's like, is it a new dawn in, in Toronto for the next half a season with, you know, horror check behind huge the bench? That's such a huge step. It is. I mean, but, think about what he's caused that franchise, the, the damage he's caused them. They bought out Mikhail Grabowski and kept Tyler Bozak because of him. <laughs> they, look tra- at the they, they didn't they didn't keep Clark MacArthur and signed David Clarkson because of him. I mean not solely because of him, but like they were trying to find his kind of player. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, I, I, I know exactly what you mean. It's it's one of those things where he he was he was the own worst enemy. It's 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 funny, you know. There's the old guard and the new guard in the NHL at the moment, and there's a big transition between one and the other. And it comes. It's not just the coaching staff, but it's it's the media as well in regards to how they look at the game. You have a look at a lot of the players. Look, I'm 35. You're 32. You have a look at the players that are coming through now. Uh, you know, they're born in the 90s. It's yeah. just not yeah. right, and yeah. and you've got to treat these people differently. They weren't brought up in the same negative coaching style era that you and I were, you know? I mean, the last time I played competitive sport, if a coach wanted to get a better performance out of someone, he got there and basically denigrated him in front of the team and absolutely berated him. It doesn't work now. You know, these kids, and they are still kids coming through now, are brought up differently. You've got to be positive with them most of the time or explain to them. Communication is so important as a coach. And you're a teacher, so it's the it's the same thing. You've, you've got to work out how to communicate with all of these players and, and get them to understand why you want them to do things. You can't just yell at them to do things. People want to know why you want them to do it. If you can't give them a good reason to do it, they're just not going to do it. So Randy Carlisle could not give that Toronto Maple Leafs team a reason to reduce shots against. Couldn't do it. So horror checks, however he goes about reducing the shots, doesn't really matter, I suppose. It's getting them on board to wanting to do it. If you can get them, give them reasons for doing it and why it'll help. And reasons should be simple. We win more games. Because they can score. That Toronto Maple Leafs team can score. But they've got to, as you said last podcast, 
you've got to give the other team less rolls of the dice. Yeah, and, you know, Horchek, I don't think, is a long-term hire. I think they're going to really ramp up their coaching search come off-season. Well, the risk they run is if he gets into the playoffs, you know what the media and the fans are like there, they'll want to sign him. That's well, the risk. They can get going. there first. Hey? They can get there first and then worry like, about that. You you know what it's like in Toronto. They're crazy. I mean, it's... I don't think they'll get there. Well, I think Florida might screw them over. Yeah, they're better. The Fancy Cats. Hmm? The Fancy Cats. Oh, yeah. No, I like them. They have an outside shot at the playoffs. Does that basically just come down to Boston falling apart? And you know what I mean when I say that. I mean, Boston's that team that you didn't quite think would be totally... Well, they're not totally out of it by any stretch, but like, oh, no. you're not thinking, oh, Bruins, they're technically out of the playoff. The problem they've got at the moment is they're in, but they've played four more games in Florida. Yeah, so they're not. So it's it's just it's not something that we expected from the Bruins, but you go and lose a guy like Char for the time that he has, and. Watching him against the Penguins last, the last time the Penguins played the Bruins, he's not Zidane Chara. And he's, I've made this argument before in regards to the way hockey works. And you said it's a cultural thing, it'll take forever to change, but he came back too early. He's, he shouldn't be on the ice. And we both understand why he came back. They need him on the ice. And they're going to be better with him as he currently is on the ice, but they just waited till couple of weeks after the All-Star game and, and get him back, you know, 90% rather than I reckon he's lucky to be clicking at 75% at the moment. They'll be better off. I mean, admittedly, they've won three games in a row, but I just think they'd be better off with him healthier than struggling through the rest of the year. Agreed. Who are, your, who are your surprise teams for the year? If you could pick one surprise team from the East and one surprise team from the West, who would be your surprise teams? Um, I think the team that we were just talking about, Florida. Yep. Um, I think their young guys have done a really nice job of carrying the load. I think they're trying to shift from the older guard to the younger one. Wisely, might I add. Mm-hmm. And it's worked. So I didn't peg them for much success this year, but, you know, they've they've shown me wrong. You could see, yeah, I, I think they're early in regards to their success. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I, I have to admit, I, I you can see it building, but... I, I think that the swell is coming a little bit earlier than, than I expected. Um, it's You know what I kind of find a little bit frustrating? is some of the, the mainstream media trying to pump up Willie Mitchell's influence on Aaron Eckblad. Yeah, I just it's like Rob Skidari and Simone Dupre. I just don't buy any of it. No, Aaron Eckblad is 
brilliant on his own. You pair him up with anyone, and he's going to shine. He is. I remember us talking about talking about Aaron Eckblad with with Todd Cordell, and he said, "No, nah, he's the real deal." Because one of my concerns was uh, a man-made body going from junior to the NHL and, and struggling with the extra size. But he's fantastic. He is so much fun to watch. Yeah, and, and a guy like him is why you don't usually go out on a limb and predict that a guy like that's going to have that much of an impact. First-year defenseman. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but he has, so the the Panthers have been a surprise. Um, my, my Western team would be Nashville. And at the beginning, when we did our preseason podcast, I said it could go one of two ways with with kind of the signings with yeah Rivero, Jokinen, and Roy. And I believe I lean towards the unsuccessful side of things. But it's even though Roy and Jokinen haven't done much, Ribeiro has just slaughtered it with Forsberg and Neal. And well, they're, they're the funny, top team in the NHL right now, if I'm correct. Yeah, well, the funny thing about that is that um, Roy's now playing for Edmonton, and um, yeah, I wasn't expecting that out of Ribeiro either. To, to, to be honest, I just I didn't think you'd see that kind of output, and um, I know Philip Forsberg's fantastic, and, and James Neal can you know has one of the best shots in the league, but I wasn't expecting. I suppose it, it, it proves to me that James Neal is is more than just a shooter. And apparently, according to the NHL, a diver. Um, yeah, it's, done, it's, I, I, yeah, I do think he's always been better than just uh, Evgeny Malkin's sidekick. I have to admit, that's how I, I had labelled him. And he's definitely proven my thought process they're wrong. And kudos to him. I mean, it's, it's great. I mean, he, he definitely provides more value than... Um, than anyone thought of. He's a big reason why Nashville are, as you said, top of the league. And they have games in hand. They do. I just saw that then. They, they certainly do. I suppose I suppose for me, my surprise team for the West would be the Dallas Stars, to be honest. <laughs> I, well, when you I, pick them to win the division in their... Uh... They know we near playoff spot generously. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, they would they're surprised. probably my my surprise. I knew their back end was going to be their Achilles heel, but I I mean losing the Chushkin certainly hurts. You can't plan for that. No, but it's still it's, it's still a surprise that they're doing it uh, as they're struggling as much as they are. I mean, there's still an outside chance to get to that second wild card place. I mean, it's it's a tough fight, but there's a few teams that are in there fighting for it. I mean, I could have said Minnesota are the surprise team. I mean, you stole Nashville. There's no point sort of going over, over Nashville again, but, you know, there are a couple of teams that have, have hit a, you know, hit a wall in, in that regards. And, and for me, over in the, the East, it would be Detroit. I legitimately thought they'd really struggle this year. And they've proven me ex- extremely wrong. Um, they'll comfortably make... Well, actually, hang on, I'll rephrase that. 
until Howard got hurt today with what looked like an extremely serious groin injury and now having to rely on Gustafson and, and Mrazic to, to to play a net, that could put a real spanner in the works. But they've they've just floated along quite nicely. doesn't look like they're putting too much of a load on Zetterberg and, and Datsuk. And um, the way that the season was travelling before Howard looks like he might be out for, for, I would say, at least a month. I mean, to come off under a stretcher for a groin injury. Is, is pretty serious. Um, you, you get there and think about it and you go, they look like they were going to be able to cruise into the, the playoffs not playing Datsuk and Zetterberg too much over 20 minutes a game, you know, 21, 22 minutes, keeping it around there would have been fantastic for them, but they may have to play them a bit more now and you just want those two players to get into the playoffs healthy and then... You never know what's going to happen. I mean, Cromwell's a wall <laughs> for that that Detroit team, and you've got those those. Young, I mean, Christoph Nyquist what was it ten days ago? Just hold on to the puck for three minutes and then score a goal. Not a problem. <laughs> Gino tried his impersonation of that against Boston, actually. What's that? What's that? The Christoph Nyquist oh, skate around oh. everyone for thirty seconds and then score. That missed by millimeters. I know. And look, that's the, that's the thing with Detroit. I mean, I, I, I think they'll make the playoffs. I don't think missing Howard will cost them a playoff spot, but it may cost them seeding. They may fall down to that first or second wildcard spot, which would be disappointing for them. I mean, they've played really well the first half of the year. Um, they'd be further up in the standings if they went one and seven in a shootout. Just shows you how poor. Jimmy how it is in the studio. Yep. Do you um, have anything? No, I think we've covered off everything we need to. All right. First one back for 2015 is all wrapped up. Yeah, and it should get more exciting as the trade deadline gets closer. We'll start to get into some interesting kind of paths teams could take uh, on how to build their their future playoff rosters. So that that'll be exciting. Paul Martin's one of the more interesting pieces. Well, you can lump uh, Justin Williams into that too. Although I thought you could the, until with yes, the injuries have, have sort of nixed that as well. So you're right. It'll which bleeds into Paul Martin because I think that was the one place that. A trade would have made sense. So maybe that's off the table. Maybe we just have to, you know, focus our podcast towards Yager Watch 2015. <laughs> <laughs> until we hit the trade, until we hit the day after the, the trade deadline, that's going to get a mention every podcast, I think. And I'm okay with that. Yeah, because I am I, too. I'm, I'm technically on board with, with the idea. The Penguins got their young contracted forward with Perron. I mean, they've got 18 to 20 months to look at how they want to go about re-signing him. Um, and it looks as though there's going to be a nice fit there, and it, and it should work. I mean, I don't think they'll have to break the bank to keep him. Um, That'll be like a five-year, five-mil thing. And people will scream at that because I don't no, think he's got much of his career has been 
great, but you've got to remember that the cap goes up every year. So contract Would you value lose them and not pay them. Correct, and and that's sort of the, that's sort of the thing. You have got to make sure that you don't overpay for him because if Bennett stays healthy, he's going to end up commanding a raise, not the contract out of RFA, because he's done nothing on the ice to, to to warrant it. You know what I mean? He hasn't been on the ice enough. But the one after, I mean, if I was if I was Bennett's manager, I'd go give us a two year deal and get us into free agency, and then we'll nail whoever wants to pay us money because he'll be worth it. Oh, man. Oh, man. That'll be tough for me if he uh, doesn't get re-signed eventually. Well, it's the risk you run because he's he's one of those things where, I mean, Chicago in that situation, they've had to sign their two big guys and they did the right thing and it cost them a lot of money, as it should. What do you do with Brandon Saad? I mean, that's the... This is the the challenge that you these, trade Patrick Sharp. They're going to have to, I'd say. You, you want to take the younger option out of the two, and, and that's probably the right choice. Where to though? A lot of teams that he'd probably want to go to are going to be up against the cap anyway. So I, I love the salary cap. It's great because it creates that terrible word parity. Yeah, but he's but he he's not a plug. No, I appreciate that. But when you trade to a cap tight team, you've got to take Cap back. So if they're going to trade Sharp, they have to take back an expiring contract. And it gets tough. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's why, like you said, the Edmonton-Pittsburgh deal works. Edmonton didn't pick up any significant salary, and, and Pittsburgh picked up a contract they've got control of for 18 months to work out what they want to do. Nominate your community by February 8th for your chance. So that's where it gets tough. All right, let's go. Hopefully we'll do this again in a week, guys. Yeah, I agree. Um, <laughs> you know, we had the holidays, New Year. We took some time That's off, whatever. Time. But um, hopefully we are back in the next week, and there should be some pretty great topics. Um, until then, if you like what you hear, give us a, a positive rating on iTunes. Um that would be, you know, a nice thing to do. If not, that's <laughs> fine too. So I guess until then, I'm Ryan Wilson. 